You're listening to Shalise's podcast. Okay, guys. Well, let's pray and let's hop into this peppy. Okay. Ah. All right. Well, Father, I thank you for all of these beautiful members of the Path to Purpose group. And I thank you that you are here with us. You are here in us. And Holy Spirit is raring to go. And uh, we are excited. We are excited to learn of you this morning, Holy Spirit. We are excited for you to be the teacher. And so I just yield. I yield my mind, my body, my words to you, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would speak through me clearly today and that every heart is good soil, that these are words of life that are being planted deep, deep, deep into the core of their being. And Father, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened and we would know the hope of our calling. Father, I pray that the mind of Christ would be ignited today, Father, and that you would elevate our consciousness and our awareness to the place where we are in union with Jesus, to the place where we are seated in heavenly places right this very minute at your right hand, at that place where there are pleasures forevermore. Father, I pray that our joy level would be elevated, that our patience, that our peace, that all of the fruit of the Spirit would be produced through us, Father, as a result of this this broadcast today, and that you would um, empower us, Father, to just be possessed, possessed by the Holy Spirit so that you can have your way, that you can create what you want to create through us, through our bodies, through our focus, through our attention, God, that you would be glorified, Jesus, and that heaven would be released in, in, in massive scale today through our lives, God. So thank you for breakthrough. Thank you for uh, leading and guidance into truth today. And just for setting us free, setting us free from the constraints of being a mere human being, God, for setting us free from limitations, for all things are possible if we can believe God. So I thank you that you are elevating our belief to your belief today. And I thank you for it in Jesus name. So awesome, you guys, we are jumping in today to part two of our series, Seeing is Believing. And if you haven't uh, you know, yet watched that, you can head on over part one. Uh, if you haven't watched part one, you can head on over to the Path of Purpose group where all of the videos of the podcast are posted and we do them live there. Um, or, you know, you can listen to it on the podcast when it comes out. But I encourage you to really listen to each uh, episode in this series. Not that you can't listen today and get something out of it, but I am going to be building on uh, the foundation of what we laid last week today. And I'm going to continue to be progressing through this series as we go. So, uh, the foundation scripture for this series uh, comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. And uh, I uh, read it last week out of the King James Version, and I'm going to read it again this week out of the King James Version, just because, as I said last week, I really cut my teeth on this version of the scripture. And this scripture has been a lot to me over the years as I have stood for uh, the things that God has uh, prepared for me personally, uh, right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, I has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Uh, but it says that, that we have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit reveals these things to us. So that's my paraphrase, but that's basically what it's saying. And so each of us have things that the Holy Spirit has prepared for us. Every single one of us has a destiny in Christ. We have a purpose in Christ. We have a calling in Christ. In fact, uh, the, the fivefold ministry gifts, right? Apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, and pastor 
are given to the body of Christ as gifts to equip them for the work of their ministry. And so you have a ministry. What does it mean, a ministry? It doesn't mean that, you know, you're called into full-time ministry. It means ministry means service. It means to serve. And so you have a calling to serve, to serve the planet, to serve the body of Christ, to serve our neighbors, right? With the gifts and the talents that God has put inside of you. You are a unique expression of the glory of God. And the world needs you. The world needs what you carry. The Lord, the world needs the service that you are here to provide. And a successful life is a life that is poured out in service to others. It's a life where we have fulfilled the work, the assignments that the Father has given us to do. In John 17, verse 3, Jesus said, I have glorified you here on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. And so the work of your ministry is your destiny. And what I'm saying today is that God has things that he has prepared ahead of time, good works that he prepared ahead of time that you as his masterpiece would do. You were recreated in Christ for supernatural exploits and you have a calling, you have a destiny. And this scripture in 2 Corinthians 4 is really uh, designed actually to give you a overcomer's perspective. It is to give you a perspective and an elevated perception so that you can finish your course. So that when contradictions come, when you are faced with trials and tribulations, as you know, the King James Version says, afflictions that inevitably arise on your path to your purpose, that you will know how to stand and having done all stand and you will you will uh, succeed in watching the, the promises of God manifest in your life and you will be able to uh, have that testimony that comes from the test because Jesus was glorified in that situation. And so we've also been talking a little bit about Abraham and we've been talking about him in the context of this scripture in 2 Corinthians 4. Why? Because Abraham had impossible prophetic words over his life, right? God called him the father of a nation. He called him a father when it was impossible for him to actually physically, you know, create a child. And he called him a father when his wife, Sarah, was also beyond childbearing age. And she had gone through menopause and it was impossible for her to bear children. And so I understand that many of the things that are in our hearts. Many of us are called to do things that seem so big, so impossible. We feel sometimes too old or too young, or we have all of these reasons, natural, you know, natural reasons why we cannot do what God has called us to do. Or even if it's just not about your calling, right? And you're just standing for your inheritance in Christ. You're standing for what the gospel declares belongs to you, which is all of heaven, right? Everything that heaven contains, it says in Ephesians chapter one, verse three, has already been lavished upon you, right? That's the passion translation, but it's a really great translation to to explain what belongs to you in Christ. You have an inheritance, you have an inheritance of of, uh, abundance, an inheritance of health, an abundance of of, uh, peace, right? And many times we're going to be walking through contradictions. We're going to be walking through things that are exalting themselves against the knowledge of the gospel, against the knowledge of Christ in us and against our destiny. And uh, we are 
called to be overcomers. We are called to be sons of God that speak peace to storms, that uh, speak to lack, like Jesus spoke to the fig tree, that speak to sickness, that speak to disease, that, that, you know, death and life are in the power of our tongue. And we are here to speak life and to speak heaven and to co-create with God. And so this teaching about seeing is believing is a very powerful key to seeing the will of God come to fruition in your life. And the will of God is always victory. The will of God is always that Jesus be glorified. And it's really easy to get confused about the will of God when you don't understand that the will of God is always heaven, that it's always been heaven since the beginning of time when God uh, created the heavens and the earth and he put Adam and Eve in the garden, right? It's when Jesus prayed, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? God's will has always been heaven on earth. And so what do we do when we are in the middle of an affliction, when we are in the middle of a trial? How do we manifest heaven? Well, we look at the things that are not seen. And so let's hop in again to this foundation scripture in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 17, it says, for our light affliction, but is which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so last week, I talked about these two kinds of things. I talked about the things that are seen, and I talked about the things that are unseen. And this scripture says that our our light affliction lasts for just a moment, If we can look away from the distractions, if we can look away from the way that things appear in the seen realm, and we can focus and we can look to the unseen, okay? I also talked about how Abraham grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, right? So he shifted his focus. I said this, we taught out of it in Romans chapter four, he shifted his focus, away from the impotence of his own body. He shifted his focus away from Sarah's debt, the deadness in Sarah's womb. He shifted away from the facts as they were being presented to him in the natural. And you guys, I get it. The facts are loud. The unpaid bills can be loud, right? The, the, the doctor's report can be loud, right? The divorce papers speak loud, right? The seen realm can feel more real than the things in the unseen realm. We can start to wonder, where is God in this situation? What's happening in this situation? You know, what is, what am I doing wrong, right? We can, we can begin to, to ruminate over what's going on in the seen realm. And what happens when we do that, right, is our light affliction does not become, it's not a light affliction. It's a heavy affliction and it doesn't last for a moment, but it just goes on and on and on and on, right? Until we ultimately are defeated. But the key that I've been talking about is this ability to look away from the natural realm. And here's the good news. First of all, Focus is a beautiful thing, just in, just as a natural cap- capacity, right? I, uh, If I told you right now to focus on the chair that you're sitting in or wherever it is that you're sitting right now, maybe you're in your car, you're listening to me or watching me. Hopefully you're not driving while you're watching the video, but maybe you're, you're you know, whatever chair you're sitting in, if I say, you know, notice the chair that you're sitting in, immediately your focus goes to the chair that you're sitting in, right? If I say, find something, you know, 
yellow uh, in the room that you're in or wherever you are, you know, immediately your focus goes to find something yellow. I have a, a pen holder right here that has some yellow on it. And immediately my focus went to that. So focus is a very, very powerful thing. And so what I'm talking about when I'm saying looking away from the unseen into this, from the scene, sorry, until the unseen is I'm saying to shift your focus, shift your focus away from the unseen to the scene. I mean, sorry, I keep saying that from the seen to the unseen. Let me say it again. You focus your attention away from the things that are seen to the things that are unseen. Now, I'm not saying this is always easy, especially when the circumstances are loud, especially when the contradiction is uh, potentially going to lead to you know a big disaster in your life if it doesn't get settled. Like you need this miracle or you need this thing to shift or things are not going to go well, Okay. I'm not saying that it is easy to shift your focus away from the things that are seen. I'm saying that it is necessary. I'm saying that it is absolutely necessary because human focus, human observation is extremely powerful. You and I, by design, meaning because we've been created in God's image, are creative by our very nature. Okay, we are creative. We have been designed by God to create in the seen realm. And now the way that we create in the seen realm is not, you know, not just by toil and physical labor and things that we do in the natural. It is through the spirit. And beloved, I want to propose to you that your focus is actually a spiritual um, uh, faculty, right? Your attention your imagination, your ability to see happens not just in the physical realm, but it also happens in the spiritual realm. And our imagination are it, those, um, it is the eyes of our understanding uh, that it talks about in Ephesians chapter one. You know, when we pray, the, the, the prayer that the apostle Paul prayed, and we pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. Uh, what we're talking about here is that our imagination, our inward focus, our ability to see the unseen through our imagination, through our spiritual eyes, that it would be enlightened, that it would be flooded with light. Why? So that we would be able to see the hope of our calling. We would be able to know the hope of our calling and knowing and seeing are very much inter interconnected. In fact, you know, if you're learning something new and you're not getting it, right? You're just like, oh, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. And all of a sudden something clicks. You're like, oh, I see it now, right? Meaning that there's a connection between what we know and what we see. And when we see the unseen, okay, when we focus our attention on God and give glory to him, right? Immediately our attention shifts. Immediately, this is what why worship is so powerful. Why does worship manifest the presence of God? Because we are shifting our focus. We are actually partnering with the unseen realm and the manifestation of the unseen realm, which is God in his presence, begins to flood into the, and it's not that it wasn't there before, but our attention is what in our focus is what, what materializes it, meaning what brings it into the tangible world that we can sense, not only with our spiritual senses, but with our physical senses as well, right? We can begin to feel the presence of God in the natural. I mean, in with, with our body, right? We can sense the presence of God. And so focus is a very powerful thing. It is a 
co-creative part of our nature, of our divine nature, right? This ability to imagine, this ability to connect to something that is not seen with our physical eyes, right? Even I mean, people in the in, in, that are secular, right? People that are not even spiritual recognize the power of our imagination. This is why uh, Olympic athletes and professional athletes, their coaches will have them imagine, you know, if they're playing golf, imagine them, you know, hit, you know, hitting a hole in one or making the putt, right? It's why uh, athletes will imagine if they're, you know, professional ice skaters or something, landing the jump, right? Gymnasts landing the jump. They will practice the performance of getting in, you know, boxers, getting in the ring and defeating the opponent. They will rehearse the victory and their form in their imagination. It has been proven even scientifically, again, not just a spiritual principle, but scientifically. It has been proven that our imagination is creative. You know, I have shared so many different um, examples over, you know, the course of my podcast about this, right? I, I give the example frequently about the study that was done with two groups uh, around working out and around exercise. And there were two study groups. One was going to go to the gym and do an exercise routine. Maybe I think it was like for six weeks. And another in, another group in the study was just going to imagine going to the gym for six weeks. And at the end of the six weeks, the both groups had developed the same amount of muscle mass, meaning that they grew stronger and developed muscles. Of course, when they went to the gym, that makes sense. They were doing the work naturally to actually increase their muscle mass. But it is profoundly powerful to realize that the study group that simply imagined working out also created the same uh, muscle mass. So just when you stop and think about this and you really start to understand the power of our imagination and the power of our focus, that something is happening when we look away from the seen realm, that when we look away to the unseen realm, that things in the seen realm are shifting, that the unseen governs the seen realm. And there's two ways to do work. There's work to just, you know, toil and go to the gym and sweat and labor. And there's ways to do work and produce results in the earth through the imagination, right? This starts to make sense when you look at the story of Abraham, who was Abram, and God told him to change his name to Abraham, right? Why? Because our words, we are also taught are creative, not just our focus, but our words. But then he also told him to go and look at the stars and look at the, 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 the sand on the seashore. Why? Because he was engaging his, his eyes. And he said, I want you to see, you know, that is the number of offspring you're going to have, Abraham, as many as there are grains of sand, as many as there are stars in uh, the, the heavens and the sky. That's, that is how many offspring, that's how many kids you're going to have, Abraham. And he's telling this to a guy who's impotent, that's a hundred years old, that it's impossible in the natural realm. And so if you start to put all of these principles together that I'm talking about today, you start to realize that, that the Bible has been teaching what science is now showing, what athletes are now demonstrating for centuries. Like these are principles of how human beings create uh, the unseen into the scene, right? In the beginning, we understand that by faith, the worlds were framed by the word of God, right? And, and that's in Hebrews chapter 11, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so faith and the imagination 
and seeing something that is unseen are interconnected. And so what this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is talking about is about is about shifting the scene. It's about uh, shaping the unseen. And it's about saying that when there is it's saying that when there is something in the seen realm that is contrary to heaven, when there is an affliction going on, when there's a trial, when there's a contradiction in the seen realm, well your light affliction will be momentary when you look at the things that are unseen because the things that are seen are temporal. They are subject to change. They are subject to be transformed while we look at the unseen. And so, beloved, these these are principles that are not just, you know, in a monopoly with Christians, right? They are biblical, they are scriptural, and they are universal. Why? Because human beings have been given this capacity to co-create because we are made in the image of God. And our focus is extremely powerful. And I think it's super exciting that we live in a time when science is proving out scriptural principles. You know, it's very, very powerful when you start to study quantum physics and you start to look into, you know, things that they have discovered, like the observer effect in quantum physics, meaning that subatomic particles, uh, they call it the collapse of the wave, that they are invisible until a human being observes them. And then they become matter. They become a particle. Electrons and protons are invisible. They're in an energy state within an atom until a human being observes them. And then they, they collapse into a particle into matter. And so even, I mean, quantum science, quantum physics is is proving out in this thing called the observer effect that our focus is extremely powerful. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18 is all about focus. Now, if this is true for every single human being, why is it so important for the body of Christ to get this? Why, 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 why? Because anything that human beings can do uh, without God, okay, on their own, independent from God, anyone that is yielded to God, anyone that is a vessel for God, anyone that is the temple of the Holy Spirit and aware of it can bring this manifestation, can bring this materialization to a whole nother level. Because what happened to Abraham is in fact, what we would say in the natural is a miracle, right? It was the reversal of aging. It was the reversal of decay. It was the reversal of his body of time to go back into when he was younger and could actually uh, perform sexually to have an offspring. Same thing. He, were, I mean, menopause was reversed in Sarah's womb. And this was done through giving glory to God, through believing what God has spoken. In our case, you guys, it's in believing the gospel. It's in believing the prophetic words that God has spoken over us. Yes, they may be impossible, right? It may be impossible to cure the disease in the natural. There may not be a natural cure for it. There may not be a way out in the natural for your financial situation, but there is a higher uh, law. There is a there is a higher place that we can create from. And we don't just have to do it in our own strength, but we can do it through the, the power of our union with Jesus. And beloved, ultimately, it is God's will 
to not just give you the vision and not just give you the idea, but to actually co-create with you by possessing your very focus, by you yielding your imagination, by you yielding your body as an instrument of righteousness, by you becoming a a vessel that is fully filled with God so that it's not even, you know, a you apart from Jesus that is doing the focusing, that is giving your attention to what God wants to create through you in the earth. You see, it was God's desire. It wasn't just Abraham's desire to have a child. I'm sure Abraham would have been, you know, satisfied with maybe one, four or five, whatever, how many of her kids, he just wanted an heir, right? Like he was not thinking in terms of being the heir of the, of the son of God, you know, of being the heir of every believer, of being the heir of the human race of the recreation of the human race. He was not thinking big enough. He didn't understand, you know, he was just, you know, wanting a child and and being blessed by God to have one, you know, but God's vision for your life, God's capacity to bless the human race is infinitely above and beyond what you can imagine, how God could use you. And it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your education is. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how many resources you have in the natural. It doesn't matter your pedigree or, you know, how many degrees you have. It doesn't matter. God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Like it matters. Are you available? Are you surrendered? Does he have your yes, right? And God wants to glorify himself through you. He wants to for you to be an example and living epistle of his goodness, of his nature, of the gospel, right? That the, the gospel is meant to be followed with signs and wonders. It's meant to be a demonstration that the kingdom of heaven is a right now reality. And he wants all of us to actually manifest heaven on earth. He wants us to be a, a, a vessel that God can create. He wants us to abide in the vine, abide in our union with Jesus and what let the fruit of heaven flow through us. Let the manifestations of abundant life flow through us. And so this is a very, very powerful principle. And so I want to I want to give you a couple of practical examples of, of how as a spirit-filled, how as a believer, how is someone who knows God, who, you know, who is uh, practicing union, who is experiencing union with God, that is contemplating their union, that is uh, living in union with Jesus, how much more powerful it is, how much more powerful our manifestations are than any of the, you know, new agers or athletes or anyone else that talk about, you know, the law of attraction or law of observation and all of these principles, which are absolutely scriptural. And absolutely true, but put in the hands of a union, uh, a union person, of a person that is no longer operating in, in an independent self, that's no longer operating in, as an I apart from Christ, but is now recognizing they've been crucified with Christ, that they are living only as an I that is connected to I am, and that it is I am that is expressing themselves through their body. Like that is a whole nother level. It is God creating through you. And this is not a self-directed focus. That is not a self-directed a process of manifestation that you know maybe we hear about in secular wor- in the secular world or in in other religions right this is a god directed self 
This is a capital S self. This is Christ in you that you are now allowing to do the focusing. This is a yielding to the Christ in you. This is a manifestation of the Christ in you so that God is the one whose attention you have given over your attention. You have given over your focus to the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit, the grace of God is simply working through you. Now, I hope I'm making sense with this. I want to give a couple of practical examples. And again, I've used maybe one of these examples I've I've taught on on in the past. And it's the example of overcoming barrenness in my own life, right? And it's the example where I had had serial uh, miscarriages and that I knew the scripture that God makes the, you know, the barren woman to be the joyful mother of, of children and keep house. That's from Psalms. And I knew that barrenness was a result of the fall, that it was not a part of my kingdom inheritance, but here I was having serial miscarriages. And I remember asking the Holy Spirit, what is going on? Now, I had a theology at the time that said, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And Jesus came to give me life abundant. So I immediately blamed it on the enemy. I said, okay, how is the enemy stealing my babies? And at that time, I mean, this was over 18 years ago, I mean, seven, 18 years ago, because it was with Lily. Um, I was pregnant. I, you know, this is right before I got pregnant with Lily. God put a book in my hands. And I'm going to go ahead and talk about this book today, because if you, it, it's a great book to, to open up your, uh, the possibilities of what I'm saying. And it's a Christian book. It's by David Yongi Cho, and it's called The Fourth Dimension. <laughs> Excuse me. There are three um, volumes in that book series. I recommend that you start with number one. I think the first one and the third one are the better of the three, but start with number one. Why? Because that was the book that God put in my hands when I asked the question, how is the, how is the enemy stealing my babies? Okay. Now this book is really about the art of imaginative prayer. Okay. The art of imaginative prayer is as old as Christianity. It's as old as the Bible. It's beyond even Christianity, right? It's in the old time. It's like, this is ancient, 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 ancient. And it basically talks about, the, again, the power of our imagine, imagination, that it is the creative womb of the Holy Spirit to create through us. Okay, so I got a hold of this book. Now, since then, I have moved so far beyond you know the things that are presented in this book, but it is so powerful. It was where I began. And so I wanted to get it to you today. And so I began to read this book. And I'm telling you, it was blowing my mind, blowing my mind that my imagination had that much power. And as I began to read the book and really get honest, get honest with myself, okay, I realized that I was filled with the fear of, of not just miscarriages. Number one, I've already had two. Okay, so I'm filled with the fear that I can't carry a baby to full term. I have I have the experience to prove that that's true to me too. Okay, but I also began to realize that I'm adopted and 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 even though I and I'm not in a relationship with my birth mother, I had experiences of not only my mother uh my adopted mother not being able to have kids, but she was raised by her grandmother. So I had these like a couple of people that were my immediate family that were adopted. And so there was, there was also a, really a subconscious belief. I began to just be, just really get aware that I had an internal beliefs around being able to have, have children. And those were actually manifesting in my life that um, I was having dreams about having miscarriages at the time. I, I would have told you those were demonic dreams. Okay. I blamed everything on the devil at the time. And I would have told you that, you know, every time I went, sorry for the graphic piece of this, but I'm just trying to tell the story as honestly as I can. 
that every time I would go to the to the restroom, right, uh, I would I would just check for blood. I, I would do that because it had happened multiple times. And so, again, sorry for the graphic nature of it, but but there were behaviors, there were dreams, there were I was having imaginations, um, and and these things were were cropping up in my into my awareness. And as I was reading this book, I was becoming more and more aware of it. And so, what I started to realize is that the only way the enemy can work is also through a human being, that we have to actually yield our imagination to either be an instrument of righteousness or an instrument of unrighteousness. And our subconscious programming has already been programmed with things that we believe are true. Now, granted, those things have been imprinted upon us through our life experiences, right? Through me, serial miscarriages, not being adopted, right? So things had happened to me in my life that taught me that basically that I, you know, it was, I was not going to be able to have children, right? It's the same thing in Abraham's life to a degree, meaning that we're taught and we believe that once you've had, you know, menopause, once you've gone into a certain age, you can no longer have children. So we have been programmed with limitations. We've been programmed with beliefs that our imagination and our, our internal world, we will, we are not yielded to God in those things. We're yielded to an independent self. And so those things through the programming of the world system, the enemy, who's the power of the prince of the air, absolutely has programmed the human race into what's possible and what's impossible. And so through my process of, of, of trying to get pregnant and, and have a, carry a child full term, the Holy Spirit began to teach me about the power of my imagination. But he also began to teach me about the power of Holy Spirit-inspired imaginations and the power of scriptural meditation. And to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to, to use my focus and to, to garner my attention and to help me, through the grace of God, shift my attention, not to off of the scene realm, off of my past, off of my subconscious beliefs, off of the things that were being presented to me as proof that I couldn't have children, into a heavenly imagination into a spirit-inspired imagination. Now, I don't want you to get too caught up on what's spirit-inspired and what isn't the spirit-inspired, because I can tell you right now that when you are trying to contemplate, is this of me or is this of him, you're already operating from a separated mindset. So you've got to let that go. And the way that you do that is you just make a decision. Okay, Holy Spirit, give me something, right? And you can't overthink it. I have so many students, you know, even in Emerge that we're working through right now, through, to, through these barriers and these hindrances of them being able to receive uh, inspired uh, imaginations from Jesus or being able to hear the voice of God. And one of the things that they have to learn is that you can't overthink it. Yes, there can be subconscious, you know, blockages to that as well, which is okay, what we work through and emerge. But I'm just going to give you the story and the principle here, because the truth is we all can usually operate with an imagination. You know, one of the exercises I do in Emerge, it starts out with having people imagine a red fire truck, right? And very few people, I mean, there are people that have shut down their imagination through trauma and other reasons that cannot imagine a red fire truck. But for the most part, everyone can imagine a red fire truck. Now, the problem comes into it when we start to question, well, am I the one generating the red fire truck or is God giving me the red fire truck? Well, you told me to do it. And then I thought of it. So that that's me. What I'm trying to say is no, if we are going to partner with the Holy Spirit and yield our imagination to the Holy Spirit, we're going to trust that what we're seeing, what we're getting is in fact the Holy Spirit. 
And so as I began to meditate on scripture, as I'm going through this fourth dimension book, right, the Holy Spirit began to, uh, you know, point out scriptures to me that, you know what, you've been redeemed from the curse. Okay, I've been redeemed from the curse. So that means that I have like, it's like the curse never happened. So I'm like back in the garden. And this imagination began to form in my mind. And it was a picture, a movie rather, of me being nine months pregnant, walking around in the garden with Jesus. And I I can still see it now, even though I'm talking to you, my eyes are open. I can still see that I'm in the garden. I can see that I'm nine months pregnant. Sometimes I would sit on a picnic blanket and Jesus would feed me grapes. Sometimes I would just walk around, you know, go over to the waterfall. But the point was, is that I could, I could see myself nine months pregnant and I could even see myself like third person, meaning I could observe it from a distance or I could step in and actually be the pregnant person. And I began to play around with this vision of being in the garden, nine months pregnant with Jesus. Now there's nothing magical necessarily about the garden. What was magical about this is that the Holy Spirit was working with me, confirming the word with signs and wonders. The Holy Spirit was encouraging me. Yes, this is the vision. Yes, let's do that. You know, I was just going with it with freedom and the Holy Spirit and I were imagining together. And this vision was so powerful that when I would have morning sickness, and I mean, I would go into the grocery store, I was so sick, but I honestly did not pray against it because I, it was almost like a comfort to me because I knew, okay, I'm still pregnant if I don't feel good, right? But I remember I would go into the grocery store and not, not a single thing in the grocery store sounded good. But then I could go into the, the, uh, my imagination. I could go into that vision with the Holy Spirit. And it's like the Holy Spirit would show me, oh, look in the picnic basket. Look what you're eating. Oh, it's a banana. Oh, it's a... So I would pick out my food and I would eat that. And it, it, you know, based upon that imagination, I was living in the unseen realm. I was living from another reality in the spirit, in the spirit and your imagination. Those are, that's the connection point, right? Those are our physical, those are our, our spiritual eyes rather. And so it was so powerful that if I had morning sickness, there were times when it was so bad that I would lay down in the bed on my bed and I would go into the garden and that, and and I would see myself uh, nine months pregnant and I would say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm here, I'm with you. And morning sickness would leave, right? It would physically cause the nausea to leave. Okay. This is very, very, very powerful. And this is how I learned. And the thing about this lesson that I had The thing that I think is so, it was a light affliction. I mean, it was affliction. It was in the midst of a a life or death situation. This was the life or death of my baby and, and two of them had already died. Okay, so this was not something that I could mess around with. The circumstances were dire. And so I had no choice, honestly. I guess I had a choice, but it was, it was, it was always already in torment over, you know, on this side of the things, living in the natural, looking at the scene, it was torment. So the only comfort I had was to stay in the unseen. I remember going to getting getting an ultrasound. And of course they fill you up with all this information. I was, I was older in life. I was 37. So they start to tell you all the things that are wrong with your baby and all the things that could go wrong and da, 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 da. And I just remember sitting there in the ultrasound, getting ready to do it. And I'm looking at the person and she's telling me all this information. The nurse is telling me all this information, you know, doctor, whoever it was, tell me all this information. And I am literally not present in the room. I have left the building. I am in the garden, nine months pregnant, walking around with Jesus, looking at the waterfall, eating grapes. It was like she was, you know, that teacher on Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. I was present, but I wasn't present. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, so to speak, while I'm getting that ultrasound. And so there is a supernatural way with the partnership of the Holy Spirit that you can yield your body, you can yield your imagination, and you can co-create with the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing, you can't doubt, 
right? A double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. You can't be in this place of trying to ask the Holy Spirit to help you take your thoughts captive and give you a heavenly imagination when you're constantly doubting, is this God? Is this God? Am I making this up? Am I making this up? If it is scripturally sound, okay, if it is in alignment with the gospel, then it doesn't matter because you're one with God. And where you end and where he begins is a, there's no line. It's like, you know, we do this, you know, in Emerge too. We take some coffee and some water. And I I do an experiment. I tell them to pour it into a new container. Why? Because when you mix it together, you can't tell where the coffee is and where the water is. It's just a new substance. And that is you as a new creation. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And so your spirit and his spirit, they're entangled. They're commingled. And it's a new creation. It's not mere human and it's not mere God. It's you. It's a new race. It's a new type of being. And so you have to get out of the doubt business. You've got to get out of this. Is it me? Is it God? I mean, I don't, it doesn't even occur to me. And what happens is, is you get so, um, I don't know, you just practice this to the degree that you just know it's God. When you get an imagination, it's, is it in alignment with scripture or not? If it is, it's God. <laughs> okay. If it's not, it's not. It's either coming from my subconscious or it's coming from the enemy, but it's not God. So I'm not going to partner with that. But it's really, see, we can only be an instrument of righteousness or an instrument of unrighteousness. We, there is no such thing as an independent self. There's no such thing as it's, it's truth or lie. And if it's just a little bit distorted or a little bit of lie, it's a lie. It's wicked. It's distorted. It's twisted. It's like a little bit of poop, right? Contaminates the water. You can't just have a little, you know, a tiny little bit of deception. No, it's either true or it's not. And so you're either pregnant or you're not. And so just get out of the doubt business. Is there, is, is there, is there, is there scriptural precedence? Is it heaven? Is it good? And I don't mean we got to sit around and think, is this good or not? Like we know inherently kids know if something's good or not. I mean, we just, it, you inherently know. And so me being nine months pregnant, you know, walking around in the garden, it wasn't a, it wasn't a question for me because I knew the gospel. I knew the curse entered the, the human race through an independent decision that, you know, Adam and Eve made and that it was that, that we've been redeemed from that. I knew enough about scripture to know that this is a scriptural vision. And so I went with it and then I had the manifestation of it today. Okay. Lily's their senior year in high school, right? So it was, it worked. It made my light affliction. You know what? It felt like a long affliction. Honestly, once I got past the first trimester, it, you know, things really opened up for me, but that was a 12 week affliction. Okay, that I was walking through having to focus on things that weren't seen, that things that were unseen, you know, and I'm using an example that's, you know, obviously similar to Abraham and but it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be about having children. Okay, I'm going to give you another example. And this is an example that I wish would have gone a different way because I ended up um, this this healing did not happen for someone that I was praying with. But I had a dear friend that was battling very, very serious cancer. And I got to spend the night with her on many occasions. And this was a very, you know, it was a visible situation, visible tumors. And I remember that I knew when I would go pray for her that I needed to leave my body. I needed to get out of myself. I needed to get loose self-consciousness. I need to become, I needed to become a vessel wholly filled with God themselves. I needed to leave the natural realm. And what was what is so powerful about this, you guys, is that the Holy Spirit partners with us to do this. 
And so many times we don't even know about, you know, what it means to be in the spirit on the Lord's day. I mean, gosh, we just had an emerge graduation here. And, you know, we got people were filled with the Holy Spirit at graduation. They began to speak in tongues, but they got what we call drunk in the spirit, right? Like they did on the day of Pentecost. People were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happens when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you begin to yield and lose control, lose control of your faculties, lose control of your body, lose control to the Holy Spirit. You begin to surrender yourself, surrender your body as a living sacrifice is that the Holy Spirit begins to take over your body, take over your faculties. And so I just would, would stay with my friend. And I would, I honestly, I would laugh in the spirit and think, oh my gosh, she's crazy. Like this is a terrible situation. What is she doing laughing in the spirit? I would laugh and laugh and laugh and I would lose my mind. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit would take over my imagination. And I remember one night, it was like all night. Was I asleep? Was I awake? I'm not sure, but I was just flying through this person's body in the spirit, right? Seeing healthy tissue, seeing healthy, a healthy body. And, you know, by the time we woke up that next morning, there was visible changes, visible changes in there and in in uh, in the size of the swelling, all of this. It was visible. Now, again, I'm not sharing this example because we won that particular battle. And I'm sorry that I didn't win that particular battle. I, I I've had to really. Um, work with the Lord and process through a lot of things uh, because I do know a lot about this principle. And so when you don't see the manifest full manifestation and you understand what I understand, let me just tell you, it's, it's, I feel like it's sometimes it's even more difficult when you know what I'm sharing with you today than if you just are in the position of, well, if it's God's will, he'll heal her. Maybe you're getting offended with God because it isn't happening or whatever. Like this is, I can tell you, like it's, it's, it's a struggle sometimes. But I will tell you that that God is teaching me, God is teaching you through this podcast, right? That there is a place of yielded focus. There is a place where God has possessed your faculty of imagination and that you can begin to co-create with God and that it is not you doing the creating. Now, granted, I've told you stories about working out and how you can go to the, you know, this group went to the gym and this group just imagined it and it worked. I'm not saying that this, you know, Human beings are doing this all the time. Why? Because we're created in God's image. But what I am telling you is that the potential for this, the hope of glory, the potential of Christ in you is what is the potential of this. This goes way beyond muscle mass. This goes way beyond physical healings. This goes into incredible, impossible things that we have yet to even imagine, right? The, the, the potential of this to change the planet, the potential of this to release heaven on earth is so exponentially far and above what we have been, been thought to even think about, right? I mean, there's so many things that I could tell you about this. I mean, I could tell you why the why is the enemy so relentless with a, with a spirit of religion? Why does he want us in bondage to religion? Why does he want us with perspectives of things like the world is getting darker, that things are getting worse? Why does the media bombard us with this information? Why why are why are we constantly bombarded with negativity? Why? Because what we focus on, hey, what we focus on, we manifest. And I'll tell you what, if I was the devil, I would want every 
everybody focused on what I'm doing. I would want everybody focused on how bad it's getting. I would be exalting myself against the knowledge of God. And I would be painting a picture of the future that is filled with doom and gloom rather than a victorious church, rather than the uh, expansion of the kingdom of God on the planet, rather than the government of God continuing to increase and continuing to expand. I would, you know, that's why the word of God tells us to focus on things that are lovely and pure and of good report, right? If there be any anything that's praiseworthy, worthy, right? It's why love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It's why sin consciousness produces more sin and righteousness consciousness produces more righteousness. It's why when we understand who we are in Christ and we focus on who we are in Christ while the old man just dissipates, right? When we fo- What we focus on is where our energy goes and where our energy goes is what's created because we are number one, created in God's image, but number two, because we are believers and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The enemy wants to use your imagination as much as, it, as, as God wants to use your imagination. You know, I'm not trying to compare the two, but you get my point. Like this faculty of creative power is working for us. And so in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17, this is such a powerful truth, right? That your light affliction, the contradiction, the thing in the scene that needs to be unseen, <laughs> that needs to dematerialize, that needs to get out of the scene realm, it will do that as you focus on the things that are unseen. And so I've given just a couple of examples. One is a massive victory. One is not, you know, but I will tell you what I learned lessons in both of those things. And thank God that death is an illusion. Thank God that my friend is with Jesus and probably cheering me on while I'm preaching this and using this example, because that's who my friend is and she's alive, you know? Um, so, wow. Okay. Take a breath, Lise. That's really, I guess, what I wanted to share today in the second episode is I I really wanted to talk about the ability to yield your focus, the ability to give your attention and your creative capacity to God through yielding, being filled with the Holy Spirit and being able to just receive from the Holy Spirit an inspired imagination. And it requires that we leave the land of doubt. And I'll tell you the easiest way to do that is to grow strong in faith, giving glory to God and realizing that God is more powerful than anything that we will face, that the gospel is true, that the kingdom is now, and that the only thing that's really uh, causing the affliction and causing the pain, I'm not saying that we're the cause of, I'm saying it's like, it's like, it's not momentary, but it's just going on and on and on is that we are focused on the wrong thing. We are focused on the scene. and so. You know, I, I'm sure I can get a lot of criticism for this this teaching. Um, I, I can get a lot of criticism criticism for a lot of things, I guess. But the problem is, it's too late. I've already experienced it. And um, if you believe that it doesn't work for you, then it doesn't work for you because it, it functions according to your faith. And you know, I could go over and over examples. And you know, we will we'll continue the series and we'll continue to dive deep into it. But I encourage you just to meditate, ruminate over what I've shared today, and ask the Holy Spirit, teach me this, teach me this principle that she, that, that Shalise is sharing today. Uh, why? Because he, the Holy Spirit taught it to me. I did not know this at all. I had no grid for this. I just knew that I was getting results that were not in alignment with the gospel. And the Holy Spirit took me on a journey to learn about this, you know, from David Yanni Cho, the fourth dimension. I mean, since then I have, my goodness, I have libraries of books and uh, testimonies uh, of, of this principle and this reality. And the, the further I go into the spirit with Holy Spirit, the, the more that I surrender, the more that I lose control, the more that the Holy Spirit takes control of my body, takes control of my focus. 
And I'll tell you, you know, being spiritually minded is life and peace to be carnally minded is death. And I'll tell you, the, 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 the further I get along in my, my journey with Jesus, the more I have to stay in the spirit because the contrast of the seen and the unseen realm is pretty, you know, when I say that the contrast between the two, I just mean, you know, living in a place where you are seeing, you can see the scene even through the vision of the unseen, right? Seeing the new creation overlaying on creation, seeing people as reconciled to Jesus when they're acting like hoodlums, right? Seeing the 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 believing the best when it looks the worst, like it becomes a way of life. So beloved, I'm not going to go on too much today because we've got two more episodes, but I love you. I pray that this is good, this this series is going to bless you and that you're going to apply the, the, the things that I'm teaching and uh, really ask the Holy Spirit to lead you into your own revelation about it. So God bless you. I love you. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Shalisa's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit Shalise.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training, where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.